This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry is it october yet Oh, so close. <laughs> we have this really uh, awesome preseason we get to watch now for the next week or so. Oh, we but, get to watch uh, some of the games. Not all yeah. of them. Oh, some, yeah, some, teams, some teams yeah. don't like to uh, to air the games. Arizona doesn't like to put the game on TV, so we don't get to watch. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I don't understand why, but why wouldn't you want your team to watch or your team's fans to watch all these games? It's like... I'm I'm wondering if it's like something between like the networks really don't care if it's preseason, so they're not really gonna air it. I don't know. I'm just gonna say like the NHL is really terrible at putting together good deals for TV and marketing, and they just kind of don't know what they're doing at this point, or just don't fight. They're just kind of like, oh, Fox wants us to do this. Yes, Fox, pay us. We'll do whatever you want. <laughs> something along those lines. Like they just mm. can never figure out a good thing to appease fans. It's always about the cash money. Is that it. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's what I felt like. I was like, you know, what? Uh, you know, we talked to Adam Brady last week and confirmed that it's not a Ducks problem. It's uh, it's an NHL-wide issue. It's just the way the NHL has kind of formed their contracts. So it just it is what it is, I guess. But um, well, speaking of preseason, there's several games coming up that are gonna be exciting. So uh, we'll be what three days in a row of hockey, which is great. Yeah, two against the Kings and one against the Sharks. Uh, are those all televised, Ed? I probably, you know, I would think so. I don't know though. They they don't really say to uh, until the day of. And and I guess in the case of the Arizona game, they didn't tell they didn't tell anybody until I think an hour before puck drop. So I thought the game was going to be on TV, and then the Ducks put out that it's only going to be on radio. And then I assumed that like maybe Arizona would put out that it's going to be on TV, but no, they put out it's only going to be on right. radio. Tomorrow's NHL Network. Tuesday is NHL Network in prime ticket. Wednesday <sighs> is NHL Network in prime ticket, and then Saturday's AMA thirty. Which is the last preseason game? Weird. I would. Just I would imagine. I'd imagine they would like kind of build up. Like the closer you get to the actual season, then they would totally go like, "Hey, we're going to televise more of this." But like the earlier ones, where it's like maybe, "Hey, we're going to throw out these kids that maybe you don't know or whatever," and, and we're not really going to televise that. But you know, when we start throwing out really good guys, then we'll start televising things and make it closer to that. But then the very last game, they go like, "Nah, we're not going to televise that one." Now nah, we're going to skip that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll skip over. I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm back. We get to watch it tomorrow. That's going to be good. Oh, no. Yay. So let's <laughs> we jump into this purely duck stuff. 
Ed, you said you wanted to start with the Pacific Division review that we kind of didn't hit on last show, right? That's where we want to go with that. Yeah. We were well, we Jason were supposed was to waiting. get into it. Yeah, we were, no we were supposed to be done. And then, uh, Jason had his, yeah, Jason had his notes for last show. I, I, All I'm glad we postponed ink. it because I didn't have. <laughs> and uh, we were supposed to do it then. And then we ran. We we ran. We didn't really run out of time, but it was like 45 minutes into the show, and I feel like a Pacific Division preview, like we did last year takes at least 45 minutes to an hour and if we're gonna do it, if we're gonna do it justice then we should probably make it its own show so here we are we're making it uh, its own show and we're it's saving so the ducks for last it's a ducks podcast <laughs> and we're saving the ducks for for last so okay uh, yeah, so where are we going then arizona <laughs> yeah let's just oh, uh, so alphabetical so we'll start with arizona uh arizona yeah, last pages. year Kind of just miss out on the playoffs. Like they, you know, they made a, a little bit of a push for it. They didn't finish that strong. Uh, Auntie Ronta hurt for most of the season. Somehow Darcy Kemper uh, kept the their hopes alive. They finished above 500, which I think was a bit surprising for everybody. And uh, they added Phil Kessel. They added Carl Soderberg. They get a full season of uh, hopefully a healthy Nick Schmaltz and Auntie Ronta for them. They look pretty promising, right? Like, the, but we say this. How often do we say this about Arizona? Every year, they look pretty promising, and then something goes wrong. So last year, they were supposed to be a playoff team or a team that pushed for the playoffs, and nobody could score goals for them. And Antiranta got hurt. They still got mm-hmm. good goaltending, but they were, yeah, they were okay. But this is a team that got close to the playoffs, and they added Phil Kessel. Like that is that enough? Uh, well, I mean, going back to the goaltending, yeah, if they can keep uh, Rottenen in there, then I think uh, they're they're far better. Even though Pat believes their backup is a top ten goalie in the league, Anti Ranta, no, <sighs> no, Kemper. the backup Kemper. Uh, I mean, clearly, <laughs> how dare you remember that? Did you put in your damn notes? <laughs> you no, it's just page he's there. Not, 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 not even in here. It just it still baffles me. You had him top ten goalie in the league. He was. Um, He's definitely better than uh, three, Martin Jones. 380 man games lost, tops in the league. It's tough to do anything. And if they miss the playoffs like they did last year by four points, yeah, as long as they stay a little bit healthier, they're probably in a better spot, you would think, from last year moving into this year. Their biggest problem was offense. It was 28th in goals scored, 26 on the power play. Defense and Golden wasn't bad. Sixth in goals against and third on the penalty kill. That's not a bad place to be at all. I mean, it's kind of weird they didn't make the playoffs, but that's just kind of where they had to be. Adding Phil Kessel, where I would like to say I think that's enough to push them over the edge because it addresses their biggest issue, and that's goal scoring. Um, I haven't seen Phil Kessel in the last three years play without an elite center, either Crosby or Malkin. So as good as he is, I feel he's more of a specialist and more of someone who can snipe goals when he's fed the puck a little bit more, not someone that creates the offense. He was able to do that in Toronto on his own, but the NHL is different now, and I, I'm not quite sure that's going to be enough to really kind of push through. But at least Arizona's in a weak Pacific division, so there's always the opportunity that they could actually improve on that. They're, they're close. I'm not just quite sure. The same thing as Ed said. It's just, we always say on paper, these guys should probably be kicking ass, and they just don't. Some, something comes up somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the net out. The net out looks, as I, that's where you're starting, like the strong point, and it gets weaker as you go forward. I, I Say what you want about Darcy Kemper, but Antti Ranta and Darcy <laughs> Kemper are going to be good again this year, and that's, that's going to stabilize that defense. I think the defense is pretty solid. 
Um, it's when you get to the forward group, they can't score. They just can't score. Uh, and they, what, had 86 points last season. It was like the highest they've had in five years. Um, I don't think trading for Phil Kessel is going to do anything. I don't think it's really going to tick the needle up a lot. He's going to be, what, 32 or 33 this year. Um, who knows if he even is going to be able to flourish in Arizona. I mean, it all depends if they have the uh, the danger dog carts outside the game and he's able to get a big <laughs> around after, after, you know, after he plays, you know, 20 minutes a night and maybe he'll get his energy for the next game. Who knows? Well, I, I, don't think it's a big enough, I don't think it's a big enough deal to move the needle for this team. I, I'm just not impressed with their forward group at all. I, I think that they're going to continue to struggle to score goals. And until they figure that out, this team is just going to be, like you said, a bubble team. They're, they might make the playoffs, but, I mean, do they really want to be, you know, middling forever? They need to, they need to make some adjustments on the forward group here in the next season or two um, before, you know, time runs out on that defense. So that's just de- how I feel about them, too. There, there's some de- decent depth there. Like Clayton Keller and, and Derek Stepan with Phil Kessel, I think, will – it's not the best. It's not the best he's had for sure in a long time when he's been playing beside of Kenny Malkin for, what, the last four or five seasons he's been with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, it, yeah, it's not great. It, it definitely isn't great. But Nick Schmaltz was pretty good after he came over from Chicago, then he got hurt, and he's going to be playing with Michael Grabner and, uh, I don't know, maybe Christian Dvorak. Their, their wing depth, I think, is what kind of lets them down. So I think that's why the addition of Phil Kessel is a little bit bigger for them than, than it looks on paper. Uh, and up up through the center, like through the middle, having Stepan Schmaltz and Carl Soderberg, it's not the worst in the in the Pacific Division. No, like, but Schmaltz is. isn't good defensively. <laughs> he's not even good defensively. So he's playing. He's got to play, you know, two uh, you know two way game. And if, especially, can you imagine if he got paired with Phil Kessel, who doesn't know how to play defense at all either? I mean, that's just going to be a disaster. <laughs> I don't I see it really working out for them with the, with the forward group. I literally think their their center depth is is a big problem. I, I just don't feel like there anyone pops out at me as a number one center in on any team. Derek's really, as close as it gets. As close yeah. as it gets, and that's that's pushing it. I mean, and then from that point on, I mean, it, it drops off significantly throughout the lineup, and that's you know, it's, the, the offense is still probably going to struggle. Is Phil Kessel the answer? Probably not. Um, but you're hoping he's doing what Phil Kessel did in Pittsburgh, but I, I find it very hard to believe that Phil Kessel being traded, you know, it's not like he went to Arizona because he wanted to, to try it out. He had to go there, and now he's kind of stuck with trying to figure this out. So, he's not elite, though. He's, he's a good player, but he's, he's kind of lost that elite status. Which you would at 30-whatever. 32? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. there it is. You, you almost what do you do at 82 points last year? Again, he's playing in Pittsburgh. He's playing with Malik, and he's playing on the top power play unit. Uh, he'll be the go-to guy. I think that's... Did you guys love how it finally had. came out that Malkin hated him? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a specialist. So if he gets a ton of power play time, then he's probably okay. But at that point, that's literally their biggest threat. And so I think everyone kind of clams down. Whereas like when he's on Pittsburgh... He can't really be, you know, I mean, he kind of can get lost because you, there's a Crosby, there's a Malkin, there's somebody else somewhere. Yeah. So I think I think the other teams will probably focus on him a little bit more on the power play. So I think you'll see a, a drop in production. He hasn't had to do this since he was in Toronto, where Toronto. he's the, the go-to guy. And, and nothing. That was a Clint different Keller. NHL. <laughs> Clayton Keller is going to be a great player this year, but that that's the only line I think that's going to threaten for offense from them. And you can see that from what they had last year. Nick Smaltz isn't going to have good enough yeah. line mates, I think, to – kind of replicate what he did last year and and maybe the reason he did what he did last year is because he was playing with uh, Derek Stepan and Clayton Keller and, and had an increased role over what he got I'm sure 
Arizona's not too happy the way uh, Dylan Strome finished the season in Chicago to mm. almost a point per game playing yep. with Alex Dabrinkit. So uh, let, let's finish it off in Arizona. Kitty. We'll get to our rankings at the end when we've kind of gone everybody, but they had 86 points last year. Do you think they finished uh, above, below, or the same? I'd say anywhere between 80 and 85 points. I'd They'd say probably around 80. I'd say 80. I, I'd say below. Yeah, below yeah. below 86. Uh, but uh, they're, they're a bubble team. I mean, they're it's a possibility. Yeah, I don't know. If eighty six didn't if eighty six didn't make it, then I don't I don't think uh, going lower is going to make it either. I think this division is, is so bad this year, and, and it's kind of there's wide a possibility. Open. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that last year too. But I, I think I really like Auntie Ranta, and I think a full season of him will only help them. It's not like Hopefully. they had goaltender. It's not like they Hopefully. had goaltender issues last year because Darcy Kemper was really good. So it's not like Auntie Ranta's all of a sudden going to boost him to a stratosphere they already, weren't already in with Kemper last year, but I, I think they could finish around the same. I think uh, I think 86, 87, 88 is, I think, what they're going to finish at. They're not going to make the playoffs because I think there's some better teams here, but I think they'll finish. I don't think they're going to be much worse, and if they are worse, yeah. I think it is kind of what you guys said, around like 85 or, or 84 points. Um, yeah, it's not amazing here. Let's move on to the Calgary Flames. This one was the most interesting for me, personally, mm-hmm. because last year uh, you guys laughed at me for picking the Calgary Flames to win the Pacific Division. And they won the Pacific Division. They had 107 points last year. Keep not having yourself. They, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't do a lot. And, and arguably, what they what they did. Was, no, they did uh, not. They lost like, was to the last to the, the last place team in the Western Conference. Yeah. <laughs> or last uh, and playoff and, and, eligible team. <laughs> specifically in the offseason, they swapped James Neal for Milan Lucic, which I think it, uh, is probably a downgrade. Not that Neal yeah. was doing oh. anything for them, uh, but Milan Lucic wasn't doing anything at Edmonton. I don't think. I think they're. You know, if if anybody wins that trade, it's maybe James Neal having a resurgence playing with Connor McDavid, but that that's it. Uh, Who? They they swapped uh, Mike Smith for Cam Talbot, which again I it made no sense because Mike Smith played pretty decent last year, but I guess they're going with David Riddich or maybe trying to get what Cam Talbot had in his first couple seasons in Edmonton. Jesus Christ, dude! And, uh, <laughs> Down, downfall this downfall this team. This Matthew light the still on fire isn't signed. There's yeah, uh, less than two yeah. weeks to the start of the season. Matthew Kachuk isn't signed. If he and there's a potential that he goes into the first couple weeks or months of the season not part of this team as well. Uh, then all of that uh, responsibility goes on Monahan, Goodrow, and Lindholm. The depth after mm-hmm. that without Matthew Kachuk uh, is not great. It's Backlund, Froelich, and, and uh, Sam Bennett as a second line unit, which isn't which isn't that great. And I guess it's not much better than they had last year. But Matthew Kachuk is is a great player, and and not having him. Uh, and to start the season means maybe Milan Lucic has to jump into the top six, which is something you don't want to see if you're a Calgary Flames fan. I think there's only one way this team can go, and it's down. I don't think they get 107 points this year. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, well, uh, 100%. I mean, this this team overshot expectations a lot. Um, you know, to touch a little bit on the, the whole Lucic and Neil thing, I mean, I mean, that was even in the trade that they put. Like, there's certain things where, like, if someone outscores the other dude, we get a better draft pick. Or some, some BS is in that, like, trade clause. Or, like, if Neil is significantly better, we, we get more compensation because we took Lucic for you. I mean, why would you, why would you do that? Lucic is a lot meaner than Neil. But, I mean, they were putting Neil on the fourth line for a long time. And he's going to outproduce... Uh, you know, whatever Lucic might do, because Lucic had a chance to play with Connor McJesus, David, as you call him. Uh, but the the biggest thing for me is that last year, those were career years. Their top four goal getters 
all of them were shooting over 14%. The highest shooting percentage of their top four goal scorers, or sorry, their lowest out of the top four, was Johnny Goudreau at 14.7. Anything 10 or 11 is an amazing year. You start going into 14 percentile, you are just at a whole nother level that's not sustainable season after season. Lindholm's going to regress this year for sure. He's going to regress. I talked about that last season. He was so stoked about it. He was almost uh, a, was he a yeah, point game guy last year or close? Yeah, he was, damn, I think he was over. Damn close, I, I think. I'm going to check. Uh, yeah, well, whatever it was. I mean, the, the top getters in that on that team were insane. I mean, it was kind of one of those years where it's like all of a sudden, you know, Eddie said he called it. But it's just like one of those things where it's like <laughs> you can't call their top four goal scorers shooting over 14.7%. That doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen year after year. So there's definitely going to be a regression. Uh, Goaltending, I think there will. Uh, there's going to be one A and one B. They want Talbot to maybe get that chance. In my opinion, he had one one great season in Edmonton. He had always been a good backup to Lundqvist out in the Rangers. He's going to be the backup. Riddich is going to be the next guy that they're trying to go. But I think it's going to be one A, one B, and it's going to go back and forth. So I don't think it's all that much better of a situation where no. Mike Smith was there and now he's over in Edmonton. So I Good think this God. team regresses a uh, crap ton. And if you want to look at Norris winning trophy, uh, Mike Giordano, between uh, 2016, 2018, three seasons, he had 77 points. Last year, he had 74. That's a hell of a year, and that's not a repeatable year, in my opinion, for 30. Five-year-old defenseman. Everything yeah, went well play. for them last year. I don't really see amazing. everything <laughs> lined up. Except the playoffs. Except the playoffs. playoffs. They yeah. were the were they not? Were they the team last year that kind of like overdoes it all season, and then you finally realize what they really are come playoff time, yeah. and they just were not able to compete. Um, Everyone, their defense previous. concerns me too, man. <laughs> they don't really have. I don't. I don't really love their defense. I feel like. Uh, Travis Hamannick, fine. Noah Hannafin, I mean, he had a lot of expectation coming out of that draft in 2015. I think he was a top 10 pick, top 5 pick. Um, so either def- it's not like he's old and he's washed up. He could definitely turn into something that, uh, you know, maybe having a, a better season this year or next. But he's going to have to step up, if, especially if Giordano doesn't have the performance that he had last year. Uh, he's beca- he's become more of a play driver. But it all circles back down to the crease, dude. What a nightmare in that. I mean, David Riddich is going to be the starter, and Cam Talbot's going to be the backup. But I agree I with you, Jay. It's going to be 1A, 1B. It's kind of like, um, which flavor of crap do you want tonight in that? Well, <laughs> I don't one, think Riddich is that bad. I don't think Talbot's that bad. <laughs> oh, God, dude, yeah, but bad. If, this, if this team regresses, then that's going to have a huge impact on the goalies because I think Mike Smith wasn't great last year, but Calgary was so good and they scored so many goals that it didn't really matter. Uh, and if you know if Lindholm has a regression, which we think he is, if Matthew Kachuk doesn't start, no, the first month of the season, that's an impact on them. Uh, if Giordano doesn't put up the points he did last year, like you know, they don't have Dougie Hamilton anymore, so Giordano's one of the only guys that's getting points from the blue line for them. This is probably the most, uh, even in any division, the easiest team I think you could pick for a regression. Like 107 points is massive. They they easily they're hitting. They'll division. have 92 points next season. Watch 92. I a, yeah, I think 92 to 95. I like they're going to be better than Arizona, and there's still there's still a team who can who can push for a playoff spot. Like there's, you know, I know we're all saying they're going to regress. There's a chance that they do exactly the same thing they did last year, right? There there still is that chance. Yeah, not maybe not a good chance, but. Uh, I still have them being a you know bubble playoff team, maybe a team that can sneak in the wild card. But I think 
they're going to be one of the most obvious teams that are going to fall from 107 down into you know at least a 10 point regression. At least, yeah, yeah I agree so, with you, man. Yeah, yeah, Especially yeah, with that yeah, yeah they, I can't yeah. wait to just laugh every night they play. But you, you also thought about that with Mike. You also thought about Mike Smith, and then Mike, and they still got 107 points with him. (laughs) (laughs) How was his playoffs? Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to everybody's favorite team every year to talk about, uh, and that's Edmonton Oilers because oh. Connor McDavid. Uh, every, I think I think Who? it's safe to say now, right? Like he is the best player in the league, right? I mean, he's really close to Austin Matthews. It's like oh, a man, very, very it's like, so like, close. He's like he's the Canadian version of Austin Matthews. Exactly. I could have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have said it. You took the words out of my brain. They got to my tongue. I was just perfect. So it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Yeah, you can't sorry, have, you can't have sorry, the best players sorry. forever. Sometimes they just, you know, are exactly. born in America. That's the way it goes. Yeah, a lot of Americans drafted this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Edmonton, <laughs> Edmonton adds James Neal. Uh, somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah. a team that team that's yeah. so bad on the wings got worse because they added James Neal. They didn't do really much anything else. They lost Jesse Pugliar. I mean, just poor management, the fact that they're not playing him, the minutes that, that they can play. He wanted to trade. They didn't want to trade him. I think he's playing in Europe right now until they can figure this situation out. So he's not going to be there. Uh, there's nothing really going like, and, and And then, you know, are you going to play? Last year was ridiculous because I think Drysaddle and McDavid both had over 100 points. Did they not? Or Yes, they did. Yeah, I lost that well. bet about Lee and Drysaddle not even hitting 50 goals, and he did. So so another thing I was right about last year, that Drysaddle hit... Uh, <laughs> Well, this 50. is the year for regression for you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, it likely is, and I think that comes with the fact that the Oilers are probably going to split up Drysaddle and McDavid because that doesn't look too good on a team that misses the playoffs as, as easily as the Oilers did, and you have two guys who had 100 points. So I, I think they're going to ex- experiment splitting them up. But the problem is like there's no wing depth on this team after that. Like Who's the best winger after that? You Maybe you would say Jesse Pugliarvi, but... He's not going to be there, and, and the only you know other top Christ, four. Neil, Neil, <laughs> Neil, Neil will probably get a shot playing with uh, Connor McDavid because if Drysaddle doesn't play in the top line, he'll likely Jesus. play in the wing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and and you know they'll go. I think they're going to go to a similar setup to what Pittsburgh had when they had Crosby and Malkin, where Malkin would get the better winger and they would just throw whoever with Sidney Crosby and say make this guy better so Sidney Crosby played with Brian Rust and he played with Jake Gensler in, earlier in his career Kunitz. he played with Chris Kunitz and you know they, they yeah, every time you say Gensel I just think of uh, Doc Emmerich Gensel because that's how Gensel. he says it every time I say so Eric Gensel I think of Jake Gyllenhaal is that weird <laughs> yeah it is weird <laughs> okay sorry Wait, well, Eddie did it did it uh, Connor McDavid spend a lot of time with Zach Cassian Jesus. last year yep because, uh, again, that, that's like that's the way they're going, right? Is they're just throwing whoever make this guy better. We don't know where to put him. We Jesus, don't want to put him with yeah. Nugent Hopkins. Lou Cheech was that person for a while too. I mean, yep. like, was I like, think oh, he's been it's... with everybody. Like he was with uh, he he's been with every with Ty Ratty crappy. Last year. I think he played <laughs> every with Ryan crappy Strom. big hitter guy is who yeah. he's a the second worst penalty kill, twenty uh, eighth in shots per game. Uh, it just it le- lives and breathes through whatever Connor McJesus does. Literally, it's the same problem as before. Now it's just really with the worst goalie. If you if you had Cam Talbot and you had Mike Smith, I would take Cam Talbot. And that's kind of splitting hairs at the very bottom of the, the pool here. But, I mean, it's quite literally that bad. They just got a worse goalie, and they maybe got a little bit better with Neal. 
who was playing fourth line minutes and might produce somewhere. But they got the same problems. It hasn't changed. They haven't gotten any better. I mean, other than Neil, they didn't add anybody. And, and just, teams, you can see teams do that if they have young guys coming up who can step right into the lineup and play well. But the Oilers really don't. Like Kyler Yamamoto will probably push for a roster spot, but he's not a guy I think that's going to be be back. How is a team that bad still can't come up with a farm team to help them at some point? Well, yeah. when you rebuild since two thousand seven. Uh, well, know, and when you mismanaged your top winger and Jesse Pugliarvi, a guy you drafted third overall, and you don't have him in the lineup, I think you know that's a that's a huge misstep for them too. And yeah, like he's not going to be there. Yamamoto might make a step forward uh, on defense. It's it's really much of nothing. They've got Darnell Nurse and, and Clefbaum still, and, and Larson's still there. But uh, if if Evan Bouchard comes up and plays and maybe plays well, then. That could be a bonus for them, but it's just not enough. Like they've got some, the depth that they have up front is, is poor. The the only saving grace is you have Connor McDavid and the fact that he's easily going to get you ninety to hundred points. But you need other guys to play well. Like Damn. you can see that last year they finished with uh, with seventy nine points despite having a Connor McDavid and Drysaddle have unbelievable seasons. Jesus. Like you just you can't do it. Do they trade Connor McJesus? I mean, is no. that a possibility? Ability to bring in no. anything because there's nothing. There's no defense behind it. There's no goaltending. There's no wingers. There's no center depth after Dry Seidel and Nugent Hopkins. There's nothing there. You're just wasting his talent, and they can't get any better. They, I mean, are they going to suck time. for another the, three years? They have to because the, the, you you can't you can't oh. trade them. You just can't because, like Pat said, you lose any deal. But you can't be you that same team that trades that generational player twice. You can't. No. Oh, be no, known as that franchise. <laughs> yeah, let's I, trade I, an I MVP. Is trading an MVP a good thing? Let's do it. Let's do that. Let's trade Taylor Hall. That's it, a great. It, I feel bad. I feel bad for Connor McDavid. The fact that he's gotten put in this situation. I'm sure he'd rather be in Buffalo <laughs> right now. Uh, and Jack Eichel would uh, is, is obviously relieved. He's probably not in Edmonton. It, it's bad. You know, the Sabres Taylor are a Hall. bad team. But at least <laughs> I mean, for the Buffalo's Sabres, there's a light at the end man. of the tunnel. Sabres yeah, but dumb. there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the Sabres because they've got Rasmus Dahlin. They've got Jeff Skinner signed. Jack Eichel. Like they look like a better team, and they're getting around the hump they made some good trades colin miller uh and brandon montour so like they're they're looking better at least right like their defense well, is okay and their forward depth is okay let's but see what Oilers... dave Tippett can do right let's see what dave Tippett does with this uh army of garbage behind uh dry and mcjesus here ken holland and i think yeah. better yeah, than he's, 79 he, he's uh, he's been doing awesome over there in detroit uh, if they're better <laughs> than 79 points it's like it's like 80 81 82 and it's I'm going to say McDavid. I'm going to say they go 85. I think they're going to do better than last year. I don't. I think. I think you all the other this all, bad with almost all the other teams in the Pacific Division—they've proven it. <laughs> almost it's, all the other teams in the Pacific Division have gotten better personnel-wise. Except LA. Except LA. LA's yes. gone. And I even have a really funny thing on that one. But uh, yeah, besides LA, and then maybe maybe Vancouver. Uh, other than that. Uh, everyone's at least got him better, so I don't see how they get better in that division. Yeah, in my opinion, any team uh, I, 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 I think make, can make something happen every now and again. I'm, I don't think it's outside the possibility that they it's hit eighty five. It, it's not because you have Connor McDavid. Yeah, I think Jesus. I think because you have a player the like second him, best player in hockey because you have the second <laughs> best player in hockey. Full wrap up. All right, who's next? Uh, let's move on to L.A. <laughs> uh, L.A. last year. 
Easily the worst team in the Pacific Division, 71 <laughs> points. Uh, they finished so the fun season to say okay. That. But Kovalchuk uh, uh, didn't work out. Another thing Pat was wrong about, that didn't work oh, out for the LA Kings. Uh, they, decided the to go out, they decided to go out and add another Russian, uh, Prok Horkin from the KHL, from the same team that uh, Kovalchuk played for. He was uh, a oh, point-per-game guy in the KHL last year. Uh, they've got guys like Kempe, Grunstrom, and Ayafal that are going to be stepping up into top nine roles permanently. Uh, Tyler Foley was absolute garbage last year. I still think he's a good player, so maybe he turns it around. Uh, and then Jonathan Quick can't seem to stay healthy at, at any point in his career. And he's getting up there in age, so that's going to be a big turning point for them. Uh, they have the potential to be better, but I honestly have no idea what this roster is going to shape up like. They have a lot of guys who could, young guys who could make the team. They have older guys who could take those spots. Their defense looks like really, really bad after Drew Doughty. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't know. You, you, don't know what, you don't know what Jonathan Quick you're going to get, right? Like the the, the Kings, I, it's hard to say you're going to be. I don't think they're going to be 71 points bad. I don't think they're going to be that bad. Like that, that's really really bad. But they didn't add anything to make themselves better either. No, they're the well, worst team in the Pacific Division by far. They're going to finish the very bottom. Yeah, NHL Network kind of put it in there. They said uh, key departures for enough. Key arrivals: Todd McClellan. <laughs> their coach was their key arrival it was no players it was nothing to help the team get any better this is a team that was 30th in offense minus the dogs being 31st uh but 22nd on defense the power play was bottom five penalty kill bottom three what does that tell you that four, tells you dowdy and bottom Kopitar, two not good yeah i'm i'm willing to go out and just say that that was just a a bad, bad season. It's a gonna whole bad year, but it's not sure. gonna it's not gonna rebound. Uh, it's gonna rebound, not, but not gonna it's not gonna get significantly enough better to where they're gonna be a good team. They're no. stuck because they don't they, have enough. They've, they've relied they've relied on Kopitar being Kopitar. They were I mean they logged out with how well Brown has actually rebounded from what I thought was a huge liability on their, their team. Tech, a horrible season. It's to, to, I mean that I'm. I respect that. That was really a really good rebound for a guy I don't really like. But once again, one of those guys, if he was on my team, I'd probably like him. But he's not, so I hate him. Um, quick. Love Quick back in the day. Uh, he's a shell of his former self. I don't see him getting any better. They have So they have they have problems in goaltending. They, they, they have an elite center, an elite defenseman, and their goaltending used to be elite, and they're still holding on to that, and it's not quite there. So, and everything around that kind of blows. Uh, I think Toffoli will definitely have a better year than he had last year, but I don't know how much better. But new, new coach, new atmosphere, new frame of thinking. Maybe they they rearrange how they play the game because it didn't work with uh, Willie Willie Desjardins. Yeah. Yeah, and then John John Stevens took over after that, I think. Yeah, so, or, so no, not, John Stevens not got fired. Then Willie Desjardins took over. Desjardins came in, and it just it never worked, and it was just a a lost season for them. I don't think they're gonna just jump back into it. They they, they got too many holes, and they don't have enough coming up behind it to really fill that area. So they're kind of stuck in a in a crappy division as a crappy team. Yeah, I think Dowdy and and Kopitar. I mean, they're the, they're the cornerstones of this franchise right now, obviously. Um, you used to be able to throw in Carter and Quick into that mix as well and say that they're all important pieces. But right now, it's Dowdy and Kopitar that need to kind of pull things together here 
and and stop some of the bleeding. But I think like you guys are talking about, there's so much horrible roster um, decisions that were made, contracts, all that stuff that have just kind of pinned the Kings in to not being able to make changes. Um, that they're not going to be better for a while. I think this is a full rebuild. I think they're going to they're going to bounce back, meaning Kopitar and Daddy, but not to ninety points, not to not to an elite level defenseman again. I think those those times are slowly slipping back a bit, but I still think they're good players. Um, question for goalie guru Lamb: um, Do the Kings finally make quick a backup and give the reins over to Jack Campbell this season? Because they, they should, because quick is off. <laughs> <laughs> that they won't initially it's it's quick's net um he still has the ability to play his style is is different and it's not going to work in today's nhl and here's my honest opinion is i loved quick to death in the early 2000s to mid 2000s and but really recently you can just tell his style is not going to be sufficient for this league he can be quick he can make that dramatic save but if there's not any sort of defensive structure to really kind of almost protect him a little bit he he's in trouble and i don't think he's all of a sudden just gonna become a you know 33 year old goalie that just all of a sudden becomes way way the hell better than he was in the past so what you saw last year is probably what you'll see next year and um, it's going to be a transition, uh, and but it's tough. They're not going to give it away right away to Campbell, um, and even Campbell is not really their savior or their answer either. So there's, it's really kind of still Quick's job until they find somebody who can play better at this level. And right now they don't have that depth. So where so do they think they finish in points? Then where are we at here? Are they going to finish worse? I think they finish worse. I think they get seventy. What they finish with? 71. 70, they finished 71? 71 Ooh. last year. It's hard I'll, to get Oh, okay. They're going to go sub-70 this year. I'm going to give them oh, 68 wow. points. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll bump them up a little bit. I, no. I I think Todd McClellan can do a couple of tweaks here and there. He's, he's played enough in this division Oh, and Trent specifically. Yanni, former Anaheim great, is going to be <laughs> yes. on the bench with them too. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, this is not a team that's going to challenge for a playoff spot but I don't think they're going to be as horrible as they were last year. I think Sub last year 70. was just that loss last 16 season. Points. That's lost like, season. Well, they were the second worst team in the league last year. I think, they, I think the only team worse was the Senators, and they, I think they finished yep. sub-70, I believe. Uh, it was like 68 or 69. That was a horrible year from a really, really, really bad Sens team. Welcome to Ottawa West. Kings, I, I think <laughs> this, the, the Kings are still bad, and, and I think they're still the worst team in the Pacific Division, but I think, you know... Western Conference. Depending on what... Perkorkin can do playing him with Kovalchuk might help. <laughs> I think Kovalchuk might be able to rebound a little bit. I think Kempe and Grundstrom are pl- young players that are good and that are going to get better if they get top six roles. I think the Kings will be a little bit better. And I think Foley will be better. better I year. think. Yeah. But I mean, they scored I, I seven goals like, last night in preseason against the Canucks. So. <laughs> I, I think like seventy-five points. I, I don't think a lot. I think you know the slight, slight increase because they were so bad last year. But still, still last in the division. Yeah, the, the, it's yeah. going to be a struggle for them all year. Sixty-eight um, points. Last California team, San Jose Sharks, probably the biggest subtraction of any team in the division. They lost Joe Pavelski to the Dallas Stars. They didn't. Uh, they didn't bring anything to replace them. They have a lot of depth, so it's not like they really had to. Uh, and they have a lot of salary cap issues to begin with. Um, Kevin LeBanc is going to probably be the guy who jumps up into a top six role permanently to, to replace Joe Pavelski. He's going to have to do basically what he did last year, if not better, 
to help kind of supplement the loss of, of uh, Joe Pavelski and what he brought to the team. Eric Carlson is going to have to stay healthy and play 70 to 80 games if they're going to be good. And I think the big thing for them is this was a team who still finished with 101 points, and Martin Jones had a sub-900 save percentage last year. <laughs> like, he's worse if he's marginally, <laughs> If he's marginally better and the Sharks can overcome the loss of Joe Pavelski, they will be one of the better teams in the Pacific Division. They should be. Right, like even like there's no going down for Martin Jones. Like that's the saving grace for the Sharks. So they look at last year and say he can't be worse. So if he's a little bit better and we just play like we did last year, should make the playoffs. They should be one of the top teams in the division, despite losing Joe Pavelski because they still have Logan Couture and Timo Meyer, and you know they've got a lot of very very good players. There, Vander Kane, like they're they're still a good team. Timo Meyer's damn good, man. Very very good player. That, I think yeah, that, they got a gym right there in that guy for sure. He's gonna be he's gonna be elite if he's not already. Yeah, and I mean I could see four thirty goal scorers on this team between Couture, Hurdle. I think probably gets yep. into that that thirty goal scorer. Meyer and Evander Kane. Again, I I feel like that's four guys if they stay healthy can easily get thirty goals. And then Carlson had three goals last year, and they all came late in the season. Um, besides dealing with a little bit of injury, but it's also that first year of going from everything you've ever known in one team and one faction, and then all of a sudden you're in a completely different area and a completely different situation. And all of a sudden you're not relied on to be this, that guy, or the other. He still makes good plays. He just didn't hit the same level of goals. He only played 50-odd games, but he had 40-some-odd points. But three goals... That's not Carlson. That's that's not what you're going to see year in and year out. I think that no, was just maybe was a luck. little blip. Yeah, he. I mean, I was reading about him. Um, Dom decision from the Athletics said something like he had one of the highest expected goal percentages last season. Uh, it was amongst all defenders. It was one of the one of the best seasons by a defender for that, and it just didn't translate into scoring a ton of goals. He was he still played really well. Uh, despite looking like he was a little slow in the playoffs, I felt like he was. St- he's still a damn good defenseman. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think if you can get four thirty goal scorers, Ducks didn't have one. Then you have uh, obviously two Norris Trophy candidate defensemen on defense that can put up more goals than they did last year. Goaltending is the only problem, and like Ed said, you can only kind of go up from how bad last year was. I had a, I had a game this year or where this season had two. Two weeks ago where I said, I literally feel like Martin Jones. My team was just dominating. I was just letting everything in. And I felt like that that was a, a Martin Jones-esque type season. It was just, it sucks. Put it behind you. Get a little bit better. And there's no way that San Jose, even with Pavelski gone, if you still have 43, uh, you know, if you have four 30-goal scorers and two top offensive defensemen and a goaltender who's average to above average and this team could easily be tops on the division i think we don't give vegas or not vegas cheese san jose enough uh, hello for uh for drafting some of the players that they've gotten they've got a lot of good young players that are going to be uh, with the barracuda this year that could make a jump with <coughs> sasha chemileski is a really good young player they have ivan Chekovic, who's a good young player as well who could make the the jump into the top six eventually by the end of the season uh, Antti Sulamella 
I think he'll probably be their third or fourth line center. He was pretty good last year after coming over from Finland. They didn't draft him, but they signed him. Uh, Marcus Sorensen is a pretty good player. He burned the Ducks yeah. uh, a couple seasons ago when they played the Sharks yeah. in the first round. Like, they've got some some of these kind of good role guys who just work in the bottom six and can kind of jump up and play well. Kevin LeBanc was a role guy until last year when he put up over 50 points, and he's going to get a top six role this year. So they, they've just got really, really good depth. The bottom part of their defense isn't great. But you don't really need it to be when your top two, you know, on your first pairing you've got Brent Burns, and your second pairing you've got Eric Carlson. Like you don't really need it to be great in the bottom pairing where they're only going to play about 12 minutes a night. I think they're going to be better than 101 points because I think Martin Jones is still going to be bad, but he's going to be above 900 in save percentage this year, which is going to give the Sharks a couple extra wins, which means they're going to have a couple more points than 101. I think they're likely going to top uh, the Pacific Division unless something goes bad unless they, they deal with injuries or just major regression from guys like Thomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer, but I don't see that happening. I don't think they did enough to replace Joe Pavelski. They didn't do anything. That's a, that's a big loss. <laughs> they just hope yeah, Timo Meyer can just, be You uh, just hope people step in and do it. And then yeah. Pavelski put up the points and the goals. Uh, and the Sharks team's gotten a lot older. So, I mean, they're still in that win-now mode, but I think that um, Eric Carlson's had time to heal. This whole team's had time you know, to regroup. Um, I think they're uh, they're going to be right at 100 points again for sure. But I, I'm going to be very interested to see uh, what that loss of Joe Pavelski looks like because I think he did more than just score goals. This guy was a heart and soul. He's the team captain of, of the squad. He led them. Um, he, he was good on both sides of the puck. I, I really feel that uh, that's a big loss for them. And, and that's kind of like the, the thing I want to look at this year besides Martin Jones taking a sh- you know, shit in that again. But. <laughs> the, the only thing I was worried about <laughs> was just how many concussions in the playoffs he got. And so I, if I was Sharks management, I would be on the same boat. It was just like, well, I'm not going to pay this dude because right now I, I think he's, he's a solid hit away from, from being out for a significant amount of time and you want to keep that giant contract that you had uh the i mean what dallas signed him for you have to put that on the books and that, that just leaves too much you know, they're they're too constricted if you don't move that contract i mean if, if if injuries happen they can maybe make things happen because they have that extra cap space now my thought where do they finish the points then do you guys think they're all 100 points yeah yeah over 100 yeah i think 105 yeah. 106 I think they'd take a little bit of a step I, I, Yeah, I think they, I, they top the division. I, so I mean, we have three listen, teams left. Imagine Martin Jones wasn't oh, always this bad. Imagine if he, like, there's a chance he comes out Half and has a great year, right? Like, if he has, like, a 915 <laughs> save percentage and just an average goaltender and the Sharks yeah. are just as good as they were last year on offense and defense, they could be, like, really, really, really good this year. There's a chance for them to be that good. It just all depends if a couple of things work out, right? Like, if these guys can overcome the loss of Joe Pavelski and – uh, what they literally should have traded for a goaltender, though. Ed, come on, they should have. They should have at the end of uh, at the trade deadline last year because yeah, well, they could have gotten Ryan better. Miller. Apparently, but uh, let's move Supposedly. on to Vancouver. I think this one this one's kind of interesting because Vancouver they always seem to be this team that should be rebuilding, but they never do. And they go out and get a lot of guys that are not old, but older than what this team seems to be in, in, in the type of transition they're trying to go through. But they added Furland, they added JT Miller, they added Tyler Myers, and then they added Jordy Ben. But those first three are pretty big acquisitions. Michael Furland has been a top six forward for Calgary and Carolina the last three years. I don't think he, he is, but on this team he probably will be. Uh, JT Miller has been very good. He was really good last year for Tampa Bay Lightning. 
And Tyler Myers will be uh, likely a top pairing or a second pairing defenseman for Vancouver. And Elias <laughs> Pedersen, uh, Elias Pedersen last year was just unbelievable. I thought he was going to get killed. The guy's a twig. I thought he was going to come into the NHL and just get absolutely <laughs> killed. But uh, one of the most skilled players I've seen in a very long time to come into the NHL uh, at, at that age and that size and just dominate. Uh, they signed Brock Besser, so he'll be back. Bo Horvat. Uh, one two down the middle of Horvat Pedersen is going to be great for them, and a full season of Quinn Hughes as well, who looked really good at the they'll think five games after his season with Michigan last year. So you add Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers on the blue line, you get a full season of Pedersen, Besser, and you add Miller and Furland to that mix. That they look like they're going to be better. The top heavy side of it is what's going to be better. I, I I don't think they have a lot of depth after those top guys though. I think that's where they're going to you know here lies the problem in Vancouver right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and mostly that they had zero 30 goal scorers. Yeah, Pedersen had some injuries. Uh, but if you look at those top three, your Pedersons, your Horvat, your uh, Besser, after that, they, they go from mid to upper 20s to, like, low 10s, teens, I mean, as far as goal scoring goes. So they're going to rely heavily on those guys to either do what they did or be a little bit better. Uh, they added Furland, which I think is probably uh, in my opinion I'm, I'm really high on Furland. I, I like him in a weird way but he, i think he can do that but they're going from 26th offense 22nd power play and a third of the um points that Pedersen had all came from the power play so as good as Pedersen is when a third of your points come with the extra man it's not necessarily five on five as much so Markstrom, I like in goaltending, and even uh, their their backup Demko, I think, is uh, is the next up and coming thing. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how it goes. Uh, this is a bubble team for me, and Quinn, I think, uh, could could be Hughes for the Vancouver Canucks. But it's going to be weird for me. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know he, if they're, if they're, their starting goaltender's got backup numbers, man. Nine, ten. 912, yeah, no, 912, last, last few years. Last 912. year he was good. Last year he was on fire. He was pretty good last year. Yeah, yeah. Markstrom's numbers were pretty good last year. Well, I think it was 9-2. I think it was over 9-2. At one point, Thatcher Jemko was supposed to be one of the best goalie prospects in the league. Uh, last yeah, year was he's kind of falling off, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a welcome you know, uh, <laughs> his debut to the NHL for him. And uh, last year, the Canucks had a ton of injuries in net and issues. Just they didn't have enough goalies at one point to roster – <laughs> uh, for for one night, they had to emergency call up Michael DiPietro from the CHL, which does not happen that often. He got absolutely shelled in that one game that he, I think he led in like six or seven goals in that game. And then they sent him right back down to Ottawa. But uh, I think with Markstrom and Demko, as long as they don't have those injury issues, I think it's not great. But there's enough potential there in Demko and and at least consistency to be average for for Jakob Markstrom and maybe a little bit of potential to be a little bit more than that if if the Canucks can get things together. Uh, defensively, and I think maybe having Myers and Quinn Hughes back there could help that out. And I like I like their coach. I, I think I think there is Travis potential Green. to be I don't want to say dark horse, but to be a surprising team in the Pacific Division. I still don't think they're a playoff team by any means, but there is a chance that they could be better than you know say Arizona or even Calgary this year. If I'll, I'll, I'll give them eighty-eight them. points on the season is where I stand with them. I, I'm I'm not really thrilled about. Their goaltending yeah. situation, honestly, and, and I think when, when you have healthier players, that's going to significantly help your roster, obviously. So I think if they can avoid yeah. those this year, I think they're going to be a little better than last year. But I don't see any significant strides in Vancouver. 
I, you know what? I, I think they, they surprised a lot of teams. Pedersen specifically probably surprised a ton of other teams. But now it's like, oh, okay, this is what this kid does and this is how we're going to play. Now he could be elite enough that he can overcome some of you know those focuses. But whenever a player comes in, and like you said, he's a twig, and it's just it's it's weird, but he's good. And he's got a good shot. If you start focusing on that team, go like, okay, we really have to focus. This is what this kid does. Here's the video. Here's what he likes to do. You start getting the tendencies. You start shutting those players down. And if you don't add anything from last season, um, I I don't see a progression. I can see staying the same. I, I feel like they'll kind of be that same level they were this year, which was uh, 81 points. 81, yeah. 81 points. I, I think there's a chance they could be better because I do I do like the additions they made. A lot of teams in the Pacific Division didn't really do much, and I think the, the Canucks were one of the only teams really to go out and do something big. Other than, Myers. Yeah, well, other than Arizona. but like, <laughs> He's not going to be good. Like, <laughs> Arizona added Soderbergh and Kessel, and that was the big addition for them. San Jose didn't add anybody. L.A. didn't really add anybody. Edmonton, James Neal, Calgary added Milan Lucic. Uh, and Vegas didn't add anybody either. So the, the Vancouver Canucks were the, really the only ones who got Kings Adam in McClellan. a roster. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> for them. But, but Vancouver is the only ones who actually really went out and did anything. So I think there is a chance that they get better. I think, like Pat said, around 86 to 88 points, I think. But there is a big potential for that to bust if uh, Elias Pettersson has a sophomore slump this year. There's a uh, chance that things could go really downhill. I don't think he's going to, but if he gets injured or things don't go well for them, that's a huge loss to them. I don't think they can. They can what's What's weird is they were 18th on defense and 11th on uh, penalty kill, so they added two. You know, I mean, in their mind, really good defensemen. They added you know Jordy Ben and Myers. I mean, they seem mm. to focus a little bit more on the defensive side where it's like, okay, on the offensive side, that's where they really struggled at 26 on offense. They didn't really do much other than Furland or so, or Furland. So that's where I kind of get a little confused if they're going to be any better. Cause they were all right on defense, but that seems like where they felt they needed the most improvement or they went out and spent the most money on. It just makes sense to me. That's all. all right. Let's, uh, before we get to the ducks, last thing we have to talk about is Vegas. Uh, again, didn't do too much, but that top six is going to be a problem for a lot of teams this year. Full season of Mark Stone, who's arguably one of the most underrated players in the league, probably up there. You know, him, Barkov, and a couple others are some of the most underrated players in this league. He's going to be just a monster for them this year. Um, They're winning Stone, the division. Carlson, Smith, Patcheretti's having a good preseason. I think he's a good rebound candidate for them as well because I think he'll have a good year, especially if he's playing on that top line with Statsny and Mark Stone. Like Statsny, Mark Stone, and Pacioretty, that that has potential to be one of the better lines in hockey this year just because I like the makeup of, of that a lot. Then you've got the go-to for them that they've had for you know since they, they started this team in Marshall Carlson and Riley Smith. As your second pairing, you got a guy like Alex Tuck, who who I think had over 20 goals last year. On, on the third pairing, you got Cody Egan, who's a good, reliable third third uh, third line center as well. The defense is still mad, but they've made it work somehow. Like Shea Theodore is a great player. I I, I like the you know, some of the guys they have down there, but you, when you got Derek Anglin still starting down there, it's not the best defense core. Uh, and I think if Mark Mark Fleury has to stay healthy all year, he did last year, but he has to this year again, and he's getting older. 
he has to stay healthy, they're going to be good. But just they're going to score a lot of goals. And I think one nope. X factor for them is Cody Glass is going to be a guy who could rocket up the lineup for them. And if he does, that just adds another weapon on offense. They're going to be a fun team to watch nonetheless. They're going to score a ton of goals. <laughs> they've always been a fun team to watch ever since they've been in existence. Uh, what's good about them is that their forwards, they're not only good on offense, but they're actually really strong on defense. They support really well, which kind of makes up for the defensive shortcomings they have. When you look on paper and the defensemen they have, it kind of, you know, it's like nothing to, to brag about or, you know, be proud about. But their forwards are so good at coming back, helping out, picking up guys, and then also being able to outlet and be, you know, a facilitator for offense. Forwards coming back on defense and being facilitators for offense is amazing. Flurry, he has to be in top form, and Subban, the backup, has to be better than he has been. Flurry is getting way up there in age. Uh, and they can't keep relying on him. I mean, it's it's been fun to watch for a little while, but at some point you got to do that. Uh, and I feel their key to success to winning the Stanley Cup is not giving up four goals in a five minute penalty kill. If they can, if they can uh, handle uh, that, uh, one Ricky's been aspect, that in our chat since, uh, <laughs> since probably the beginning. As of the long show. as they they can figure that whole little thing out real quick, they'll be a much better team come playoff time. Maybe for some compelling hockey. Ninety-three points last year. Do you think they're better than they were last year? Yeah, but I, I don't think tops. Point team. I think they're gonna yeah, division. I think it, they're, it's, they're gonna smash through the Pacific. No problem. Yeah. I think it's them and in, in, in San Jose. In San Jose. Yeah, it's their top teams. All right, uh, we'll finish it off with the team. I think everybody's here for. We left it for the end, but the Anaheim Ducks uh, probably underwent the most transition of any team. I think. Firing the head coach, a lot of young players coming in. Corey Perry getting bought out. We you know we've covered all this multiple times. Ryan Kessler and Patrick Eves are out for the season, so we're going to see a lot of different guys, and probably the most out of any team in bounce back, uh, injury bounce back, and breakout candidates on this team. We got Andre Kasha and Comtois and Terry and Steele as possible breakout candidates. You got Ricard Raquel as a, as a bounce back candidate. Uh, the, they're going to be fun, right? Like Dallas Aikens, the, the, obviously all the players, look at all the comments, especially from Ricard Raquel and Silverberg, and you, know, you look at the comments that they've made to the media lately, they're pumped. They like what Dallas Aikens brings. It's a refreshing new environment. So, you know, Raquel said it's a new vibe in the organization. Yep. Everybody looks happy, and there's still there's still good, good players on this team. Like, you look at, we've talked about teams that don't have a lot of depth. Arizona doesn't have a lot of depth. They've got a you know, good maybe top line. The Ducks have some depth if young players can step up and play well and if guys like Ricard Raquel and Andre Kasha can bounce back and, and for Kasha's case, can stay healthy. There's potential to be the dark horse of the Pacific Division, right? Like, there's a chance that they could slip into the playoffs. I guess you can call it a dark horse if you, you don't, I don't know. Like I hate saying that because like everyone I guess everyone else expects us to be bad. I just I haven't seen that. The second Carlisle was gone and I saw what we did with uh Bob Murray behind the net. Literally Bob Murray did nothing but other he was just there for evaluation and just trying to figure things out of who he wants to get rid of and who he doesn't. Um and you watch them do that, and then all of a sudden the team just became entertaining. They they got chances, and that's what they never had through three quarters of the season was chances to score goals. 
this team is going to be far better than what they were last year and uh, better than what they showed even in the last quarter of the year. I think Aikens has, like you said, brought a whole different perspective for the team. A lot of the young players are going to get a lot of a, a, a great chance to play, and they already know what he's about. And they went down, flourished, came back up. Look at Troy Terry, came back up. All of a sudden, he was NHL ready. All he had to do was spend a, you know a couple of months down there, and then he's up and good to go. The goaltending will not have to be shellacked all season. Defensive responsibility gets a hell of a lot better, and I think the offense is designed for younger players and a quicker system and more creativity, which is all Aikens has been saying the whole time. So this team missed the playoff by 10 points. I can't imagine them not going 10 to 15 points higher than what they did. They're going to be entertaining one way or the other. If they can bury the puck a little bit more than they did as the worst offense in the league, uh, all they have to do is maintain everything else. And this is a playoff team, in my opinion. Wow, that's that's a that's a you know some pretty high prove praise, me wrong. Man. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. It's pretty when high I praise. That, I, what, I'm what, higher what on did this I say team. That was wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm pretty high on this team as well. But uh, to say that they're like they're a playoff team, I mean, I have a bubble team. That's that's some strong expectation here because I think I can get a lot like of things have to go right. A lot yeah. of things have to go right with these mostly kids. not being injured. Big, biggest boomer bust <laughs> team I think out of any team in the Pacific Division, and things either go really well or they could go really bad. There, there's a but you I could think, probably chalk up to to you know Manson, Fowler, and Lindholm all having really bad seasons last year and not and, on the same line forever. And yeah, and you know Carlisle doing ridiculous things like you know separating Manson and Lindholm, and when Manson played with you know Fowler, he played with um, I don't forget who else he was tethered with off and on throughout the season. It was a very it was forgettable horrific. year. It was horrific. But, uh, it, they were bad up and down the lineup. I mean, Ryan Getzloff, is it the Ryan Getzloff that we've seen? Obviously, he's, he's slowly declining. He's older. Um, I think that uh, his elite status, you could probably peel that sticker almost all the way off at this point. He's still a really good player. But that's what you're going to have to expect here. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of room for players to jump up and make impact when you're talking about the young guys. You know, Sam Steele maybe comes in and scores 40, 45 points this season. Maybe Comtois hits 20 goals. Uh, if Kasha stays healthy, let's say he hits 30 goals. Uh, he's the best play driver nearly in the league behind Mark Stone. Um, and we have him on our team. There's a lot of upside here, but a lot of it has to go if. right with the kids. A lot of it has to go right with the kids. I, but I think if you look at it. I, yeah, you, you've got John Gibson. You've got the best. Like, there's a lot of good things going for the Ducks, but like, yeah, it, it, it's boom or bust, right? Like, you've got John Gibson. That's a guarantee. He's going to be great. But it, you know, this isn't it for any team. But if he got hurt, I think obviously that derails the Ducks' entire season. But he is the 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 rock on this team. You know, he's going to be good, and that's a huge plus for the Ducks in their playoff uh, playoff push. Is having a guy like John Gibson. We've talked about all these teams that are close. Like we looked at uh, Vancouver being a team that got better, but goaltending is an issue for them. Calgary is a great team, but goaltending, right? Like the, that seems to be the issue for a lot of these teams. For the Ducks, it's not an issue. And I think when you look at the potential four lines that this team could roll this year, there's a lot of depth compared when you compare them to some of the teams in the Pacific Division. Projected lines have been all over the place, but if the Ducks ran with Getzlaff, Kasha, and Ritchie on the first line, Steele, Raquel, Silverberg on the second line, Henry Comtois, Terry on the third line, and some mix of like Jones, Shore, Sprong, Sherwood, Sherwood any yeah. Rowney, something like that. Like that is some significant depth, and we're talking about other guys that are still not in in the lineup that are going to be playing in San Diego or that are going to be healthy scratch that can come in and still 
play. They're still NHLers. They, they're still good bottom six players, right? Like, though, that's not too bad. I think, obviously, Richie on the top line isn't ideal for a lot of people, but there's some depth there. The problem is Nick Richie has to play well. Andre Cash has to stay healthy. <laughs> Sam Steele would have to be a 50-point guy to be a reliable second-line center. Adam Henrique still has to produce as a third-line center at 40, 50 points. Comtois would have to be a 20-goal store. Troy Terry, you would hope, would hit 30 or 40 points. Are Jones and Sprong going to do anything? So where do you guys have with points in the standings? Where do you guys have with points in the standings in, Ed? I think there's... I I think because now we're done, we can kind of look at this. I think there's going to be two teams that clear the top, and that's going to be Vegas and San Jose. I think we can all agree on that, right? I think those are our top Mm -hmm. two in in the Pacific Division. Yeah, not in that order, but yes. Well, I go like, Vegas, San Jose, one, two. No. <laughs> I go San Jose, Vegas. Yeah, I, I have San Jose, Vegas, but I think it could flip-flop. I think those are the obvious one, two. I think from there you've got, I think, four teams that are going to be mixed in throughout there, depending on how their seasons go. If, if you know if some things go well, if some, some things don't go well. I think you've got Arizona. I think you've got Vancouver, Calgary, and Anaheim. I think those are the four teams that are going to be in there, and it all depends on on what things go right and what things go wrong for those teams this year. I think Calgary takes that regression down to about 93, 92 points. I think the Ducks could possibly jump up to the high 80s, 90, 91 points, which is right around what I have Calgary projected as. We had Vancouver around 88, 89 points, and we had Arizona around you know 86, 87, 88. So they're all in the mix within four or five points of each other. And I think if you look at the four of those teams I just mentioned, which team has the potential to clear the field there, I think the Ducks have to be the pick there. I think just with goaltending and the, the potential for everything to go right, if it does go right, the Ducks are the team. I think you have to just put a little bit above those other teams. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. 100%. Yeah, I have them as the third, so I think they get a division spot. Their offense, in my opinion, will be much better than what it was last in uh, goals or shots for and um, uh, goals for. Defense will return to form, in my opinion, and the goalies are already elite. I mean, that's a number one, two, yeah. uh, in my opinion. I mean, so that's enough. It's not enough to dethrone what Vegas has. You know, we got we do have a, a lot of young players, and we don't have necessarily an elite defense. So it's Vegas is better at offense than us. Uh, San Jose is better at defense than us. But other than that, we have a right mix of everything else. And if you look at last season and go like, well, it's kind of the same team, but now we got young guys who don't know how to play. I'm just like, throw everything out from last year. That that was just a lost season for the Ducks. Everything if, is going to get better. If Bob Murray can just- squeeze out decent <laughs> decent hockey out of these kids yeah. and out of this lineup after they fired Randy Carlisle, I, I'm not really worried about what Dallas Eakins yeah, can, can do. Aikens, last 10 games of the season, Aikens. the Ducks were the best team in the Pacific Division. So they, they, were, showing some, they were showing some promise. Um, before we wrap up Pacific Division preview and just kind of do some housekeeping on Ducks news, let's quickly run through your rankings, each of our rankings for the top eight for the Pacific Division. Um, I'll, I'll start. So I've got the Sharks, number one, Vegas, number two, Calgary, number three, uh, slightly above Anaheim at number four. Uh, then I've got Arizona and the Canucks tied on points and whatever the tiebreaker will be at that point. Uh, then the Oilers and the Kings. Uh, Kings at number eight. I was exactly the same with the exception of I had Anaheim in third and Calgary in fourth. Other than that, I had San Jose first, Vegas second, Ducks third, Calgary fourth. Uh, Arizona 5th, Vancouver 6th, Edmonton, L.A. 
I didn't make a ranking. Honestly, I goofed oh. on that. Uh, just to be clear, but that is right, honestly, but... I've been staring at it, and I would probably put those put in exact first, right? order as what Ed did for the top four. But I, I don't know, man, Jason, you kind of got me leaning on on the Ducks. You have Vegas a, number a, one, though. Right? That's all I do is I just yeah, change I, people's I take, opinions. I take Vegas. I take Vegas number one for sure. Vegas Sharks. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah. Vegas Sharks, and then like I just I hate Mike Smith so much, and I hate Cam <laughs> Talbot so much. Damn it, dude! I'm gonna have to be a homer. I gotta put the Ducks uh, in that first slot. I gotta go I Vegas Ducks. Ducks, yeah. and then after that, I would probably either put it's, the. Play it's hard to take a team that went one oh seven and yeah. drop them yeah. ten that to was, fifteen that points. Problem. That's a. But I can see Anaheim going from eighty to fifteen points ahead. In I mean, my screw, opinion, through this, it's going to go Vegas Sharks, Ducks, Coyotes, <laughs> Calgary, Vancouver. <laughs> oh my god, um, Arizona ahead of Calgary. Kind of what we're yeah. doing there. There's, there's a potential for Calgary to fall that far. I think we we talked about them being at. I think that what we're going to see, like the, I think what we all agree on, is is that the Flames are going to be the biggest fallers in this division, and I think the Ducks are going to be the biggest risers, biggest jumpers. Yeah, that that will likely be what happened. The Canucks maybe have uh, the potential to overthrow the Ducks for biggest risers, and. I don't think anybody has the potential to overthrow the Flames as big as followers. I don't think the Sharks and the and the Golden Knights are going to get much worse. So, uh, sorry for Flames fans. I know we have so many listening to our podcast. But, uh, <laughs> before before we sense. move on though, Ed, I, I I think I I don't know. What do you guys think? My power is going to turn off here in 19 minutes or less. I, I was going to say I, I, I think I have like six percent on my phone, so I almost have to plug in so I can go on speaker. <laughs> Until I get this a laptop. Been way longer than we thought it was going to. With all is that already an hour? Uh, well, then we can just like we can run through this for like in two minutes. I just quickly. I just don't want to lose power. Thanks, California Edison, for yeah. shutting me down at night tonight. Really appreciate. I don't, it. I don't know when we're gonna be uh, when we're gonna be back again. Um, tonight. We we didn't get to watch the preseason games, so uh, I I got to watch a little bit of the first one, but not a lot. And the second one wasn't aired. Uh, we talked about the lines a bit, but the the line that everybody seems to want to talk about is Raquel Steele Silverberg. I think that's the most exciting line for the Ducks this year. Um, cuts yeah. likely to be made tomorrow, right, or Wednesday, yeah. because they have three games in a row. Yeah, King, San Jose, and a lot of Arizona. roster turnover in those games because you're not going to want to play too many guys back to back nights. So, do you think cuts yeah. get made Monday, or do you think cuts get made after the game on Wednesday? I think sure. they'll be made on Tuesday. They'll be made after the, after the third game. It's a, it makes sense for them to start cutting then and have half the preseason left. To have game Monday and Tuesday game finish and then have them some cuts for the Wednesday game? They have to. Yeah, they're going to have yeah. to start cutting people at this point. I mean, because after Wednesday, they only have a game on Saturday and they're done. Um, Most teams have started to cut a lot of team or players anyway. So yeah, the Ducks are just waivers, in that so. tough spot that I don't think I've ever seen three games in a row. Uh, for, for right the end. <laughs> and, and the fact that goals training camp opens Monday, so there was a lot of rumors that maybe some of the t- players that are for sure, like Potyorelski and those guys, who are for sure going to be going down. Yeah, the same I would say Monday, then, yeah. So maybe yeah. we see a couple tomorrow, like those guys, like Potyorelski and Martinson and stuff like that. Uh, Give and one more try. Seeing, and Tuesday, yeah, and I think then we start seeing maybe. I think Braden Tracy's still here, so maybe we start seeing some of the the CHL and, and the junior cuts uh, after. You know, games one and two. When it doesn't, you know, there's no timetable for those guys to really get cut. Uh, we'll talk about the major competition at left wing later because I think that warrants a bigger discussion with Jones, Richie, Comtois, Raquel, Shore, Delore, possibly ah, Silverberg, yes. all kind of vying for for spots. Uh, Justin Falk trade is dead. His agent Brian yes. Bartlett. He said he, his his agent 
hesitated to call it completely dead. What he said, he said you never know what can happen, but it sure looks no, that please. way. Uh, I think it's uh, dead. Uh, the Ducks yeah, rumored yeah, to, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, Car- Carolina um, owner killed it. Yeah, talking the about rumored to, in it. to give him an extension of around six point seven five million dollars. How did you guys feel about that, real quick? Uh, not a fan, dude. I wasn't a fan of that. Uh, I didn't think it was because I mean, they wanted him locked up long term too. Was there any was there any term listed on that? Would they could try to get no. Him they they just said just under seven. I would assume two, three, four years, something like that. I mean, I don't think they would have given him six or seven. That would have been really long. But well, that 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 would have been rough. I mean, if they're they're doing that, they're locking in what they have to do come the um, expansion draft. Yeah, I and mean, that I mean that, and then they have to start. Either that, or they're leaving. They leave them exposed and hope they grab them and take them off. If you had a brought hands, them in, I guess. You had to expose a defenseman, which it, it, at this point is kind yeah. of counterintuitive for the Ducks. I know you want to go out and get a right shot. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, because if he said if he signed a no movement extension, then you could expose him. But you know that Seattle would likely take him. At, he'd only be twenty nine. Well, that's what I'm saying. Time, like so. if he said if he had a no move or no trade clause when he signed the extension, then the Ducks are screwed. Like holding him, and then they got Manson, they got Lindholm and Fowler that they have to hold. So at that point, they have to expose more forwards, and I don't think they wanted to do that either. Probably not. Uh, at least I wouldn't want to do it. LeBron reported that Murray was also looking at Ristolainen, but the price was too high. We talked about this before. I'm not a huge fan of Ristolainen. I don't like a lot of the underlying numbers that go with his game. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that the price was too high. Good go fit, for him. Yeah. I think Falk was yeah. a good fit. Um, it was you know, a good the price fit. Price was lower on Ristolainen. They need a right shot defenseman. I think maybe he still gets something done. Not a big move, but something done before the start of the season. But I think they're willing to go with Larson and Fowler as guys possibly on the right side because that's what it looks like it's going to be to start the season. Uh, last thing, Give orange jerseys are returning slightly different. I think the neckline is different. I'm wearing so the stupid. Reebok one right now, but I think the <laughs> orange is a bit darker, and the neckline obviously because Adidas is a bit different. It says Anaheim on the inside of the collar. All we've seen so far is originally, I think Ricky was the one who found it first. He bought the jersey. He found one on eBay, and it was uh, $170 US, and he bought it. So on the way to his house, so we're waiting for verification oh, on yeah. if it's real or not. Uh, it looks real. It looks it's, it's got the Adidas symbol. Uh, Aesthetics. Most recently people just, reporting it. Yeah. Yeah. Aesthetics recently just took hold of that and put out, uh, I think, an article of their own. So they're saying it's it's a leak and it's sponsored real as well. So Ricky might be the first one uh, outside of anyone <gasps> in the organization to have it. So that's to Ricky for getting that. We're looking forward to seeing it. But how do you guys feel about them going back to the orange thirds? I always like those ones, but it was I'm not, nothing's gonna blow my skirt up with excitement here. Like, oh wow, another jersey! It's like, oh, cool, I already own that one. It's in my closet. Man. I'm not gonna rebuy it. But this one's slightly different. Ugh. I have a so, Adidas, so it's like two hundred and fifty dollars, please. Yeah. please. Just slightly I, different. I like to buy it. No, I'm not gonna buy it. I, I have the one <laughs> I'm wearing right now. I'm not gonna get another one. Um, I, I'm slightly disappointed because you look at what the Kings did with their thirds. I really like the fact yeah, that they were sick. with that, that Chevy-type look that they have. And then the, the Blues with their like retros. I really rock. like the St. Louis Blues retros they had from back in the day when Gretzky and Pronger used to wear those. you got teams doing that. you got Winnipeg's uh, Heritage Classic jersey is one of the nicest jerseys I've ever seen. Calgary's Winter Classic jersey or Heritage Classic jersey were nice too. And then the Ducks are just saying, ah, we're just going to go to what worked before. And we're going to bring back the orange one. I hope that means next year they're working on something better. But when you have to follow up, like, we all kind of liked the ones from last year, right? I think we liked them. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. the bottom, I, think. I, I didn't. I didn't like that the color. Like they still didn't or want Jay to go didn't. full mighty, and the colors were different. Oh, the teal yeah. and the purple, or they didn't really have the purple, but the teal was not the same. And, and uh, I can't remember if they had purple on it, but the purple also wasn't that the eggplant as well. They didn't want to go full retro with that. So I hope if they go to New Jersey's, they kind of change things up a bit. But we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I think the, the rumor is still going around: is the Ducks are eventually going to switch to orange homes? So wait, they're going to New Jersey for. Oh Jesus! There it comes. Dad <laughs> right. joke time. All right. Well, I think. <laughs> Wait, real quick before we go, uh, yeah. are you guys excited about the Josh Manson uh, bobblehead while he's riding the bull? Are you going to be at the game January ninth oh, against Dallas? That. I haven't seen it. Yeah, he's riding the bull. I seen it. Yeah, he's riding the bull. He's, he's got a cowboy on the flow. And then they're also somehow giving out a Zamboni themed gravy boat um, that you can use for Thanksgiving. It's going to be available. That makes uh, more sense. Just, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, very interesting <laughs> giveaways. But uh, I like the bobblehead stuff. I'll, I'll be there for some of the stuff for sure, um, especially the wild wing troll doll. I kind of want that. Oh, so. girl! Go was it just like it was like just that little hair. fuzz? Yeah, he's a little uh, hair going. Yeah. I think they've done that before. I've seen that before. They probably have. Yeah. Oh, let's recycle crap. Let's do it. But do we got anything else, boys? Or, or uh, are we done for the night until we do? Uh, we're definitely it, doing we're, Patreon. We're expecting your power to turn off in like a couple minutes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're okay. done uh, for the night. We've got some more lineup stuff that will develop over preseason. I think we'll probably do one for sure, maybe two more shows before the start of the season uh, to kind of recap the rest of preseason, roster cuts, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there'll be more stuff that will come out. Maybe Bob Murray makes a move. So there will definitely be more news to cover, uh, but I don't know if it's going to go one or two shows. Uh, We have Pucks and Brews for Patreon. So anybody who is on Patreon or whoever is not on Patreon, uh, one of our favorite shows, Patreon's favorite show to do is Pucks and Brews. We talk all NHL hockey news. Uh, and we drink beer, and so. Bruce. Yeah. Sometimes Eddie drinks even. Sometimes. Might get lucky. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. yeah. Sometimes. If Mago Kart is, we, in should, we should make him drink Pink Whitney's. <laughs> the Amstel. The Amstel. I don't. I don't want. Well, I'll get into that Pucks and Bruce. That that whole fad. That it's so like people just post an Instagram and like Twitter posts. Like it's like it blew it up. Like it's amazing that they got a hold of this stuff. We'll talk about that in Pucks and Bruce. If you want to hear me, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll definitely discuss it because uh, Jay and I have definitely tried it. So we'll also on Patreon, this. we have a rant show coming, uh, and we have a game show. We do a game show on Patreon called Bobby's Bargain, yeah. where you can nothing win, like uh, waiting all month to do three shows. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can win wonderful merch from uh, signed merch from Bobby's Bargain Bin signing. So your favorite players like uh, Jared Bull and Lucas Pisa, uh and Danny Heatley uh, and stands off cheese stuff. Oh, newly acquired Nick Delorier. Yeah, Nick yeah, Delorier. Right. There you go. So uh, there's a, yeah, the so we'll do that, and that, and then for our patrons <laughs> who participate in that at the end of the season, we actually have like a a prize you probably want to win, uh, like a good one. Yeah, we haven't yeah. finalized it yet, but it'll be a good prize. It'll actually be a really good one. It's yeah. a grand prize at the end of the season for our, our patrons. We have to drop win. hard money on it. We will get right. you a good, yeah. good, yeah. good price. <laughs> but if you haven't checked it out, it's uh, Patreon.com. I think it's still slash Puck Guys Forever Mighty. Uh, so check that out, or check it out on our website at ForeverMighty.com. It's the Cake Eaters Club. So check that out. Uh, yeah, join the Cake well. Eaters, boys and girls. It's fun. We have fun, um, and uh, we love all the support. So check that out, like Eddie said, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon next oh. weekend for Patreon. And head over to yeah, iTunes. Yeah, quit interrupting Eddie. Gotta, Eddie I gotta, was on a I roll, and you're just effing it up. I'm worried about the power before the season starts. Uh, it helps us get the show going. We're trying to get everything launched up and, and, and get everybody excited for the weekend of the season. So if you uh, have the time, we really appreciate heading over to iTunes and giving a rating and review too. So that's it. My spiel is done.
No, I had to cut, I was just worried about my power going out, man. It's going to go out any second. Yeah. Just wait. Sure. Just wait. Let's Whatever. just stay live until it goes out. We'll just <laughs> Literally, my phone's going to die before that happens. But <laughs> we'll, we'll stay. Li- I'm running the stream, so we'll stay live until everybody else leaves until me. So Pat's power will go out and Jason's phone will die, and then we'll leave. Jason's Excellent. picture just got smaller, so I think his phone is is on um, the last five percent. <laughs> is it? Oh, I must be like. All right. Is it? All right. They get smaller. Stay tuned uh, to our social media uh, so we can you know when the next show. I can power be mine likely, up real quick. Likely next week. So we'll uh, we'll, yeah, talk, to, we'll talk to you guys then. Night, guys. Hold on. <laughs>